Hello and welcome to BakaCast for the 12th week of the summer 2017 anime season. I'm your host, Dustin, and with me today is Larry. Hello. I think. Ben. Yo. And Aaron. Uh, as usual, you can find show notes at www.projecthari.net or www.audioentropy.com. Uh, and... Uh, no, no Luke segment this time. We're taking a short break, uh, but we will be back with Five Brain. You're, 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 you're letting him <laughs> regain his. Oh. You're, you're letting him regain his sanity, huh? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I know about Five Brain. You're. You mm-hmm. should let him. You should let him rest, rest for a couple months before you just tackle we, it. Uh, it's a show that we reviewed a few episodes of about six years ago. Uh, so yeah, anyway, uh, let's, uh, go ahead and talk about Princess Principle, episode 11. Yeah, kill the princess. No. Uh, pretty much as I predicted, uh, Dorothy was super not okay with it. Really, no one was. Um. (laughs) Too bad she immediately disappears. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this, this episode had... It, yeah, so like they they said they got rid of Dorothy, right? Like they basically fire her. They probably reassigned her. Yeah. Yeah, uh, reassignment. Uh, it's called uh, Siberia. Yeah, they basically break up the club and um, tell Anne should do it alone to test her loyalty, which of course she doesn't do it because duh. Um, honestly, like, a lot of this episode went pretty much how I figured it would, um, with the exception being the very end, um, which, in a way, went down, in in a way, the end result was pretty much what I thought would happen, but the way it got there, um, I was not expecting, largely because, and here's where I go into critic mode, I really don't think they have properly set up the conflict between Ange and Charlotte particularly well. Um, Because basically, like, her... The whole reason Charlotte gives for ignoring uh, Ange's wishes to escape uh, is because, like, she wants to save the country, so she's going to do it regardless of what it costs... Uh, and then she, like, is super mean to Ange and basically says that, you know, oh, Ange is always creating messes, messes and Charlotte always has to clean him up. Uh, which would have been, like, a neat, like, character conflict if the show had spent, like, any time at all building that conflict up before actually using it as a way to, uh, temporarily break up their relationship for this episode. Uh, it just felt very forced. It's not a real conflict. It. They. Uh, <clears throat> no, their their relationship. I mean, their relationship is broken up over something much simpler, which is that. Which is that basically, Ange wanted wanted to be there with the princess. And uh, the princess wasn't going to let her be there for her, because <laughs> it, because the princess because the princess 
realize that if, you know, if Andrew was there, then they would both be in danger. So it was kind of her way of trying to protect Ange. As, you know Ange isn't going to sit still for this either. No. And I think the fun, yeah, the fundamental, I mean, this episode I thought was good. And I, I thought, you know, <clears throat> there were, there were, I, I got a genuine sense of tension from it. Uh, but it suffered sorely from the lack of the rest of the team. Yeah, that's sort of my main issue with it, is it's entirely focused on Ange, and doesn't even have a whole lot of Charlotte, really. Uh, she's nope. kind of only there for the es- for the escape sequence, um, so... Yeah, it suffers from having the ensemble from not having the ensemble cast. Ange just is not an interesting character all on her own. Uh, well, she... Ange is plenty interesting. The the thing, the problem is, is that is that the rest of the cast when they're together, the show is just much more fun. And I don't really agree that Ange is plenty interesting. Like she has a good backstory and all. Um, she has good motivations, but as someone who appears on screen and does things, her personality is a little boring without other characters to, you know, uh, bounce off of. Like, she needs <coughs> the ensemble cast more than I think a lot of the other members do. That's a fair point. Because, yeah, because when it's just her, you know, she doesn't show her emotions a lot. Yeah. Um... I mean, it's it's possible you're right um, about like Charlotte just straight up lying uh, to get Ange to go along with something or make an excuse. If if that's what they're going for, then uh, cool, I guess. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I just mm. I think in, I think in order for in order for the for the next episode. I think for in order for the for the next episode to really bring it, the team needs to get back together. Mm-hmm. I agree. I I also uh, everything was okay until Ange told the princess that she was going to get assassinated, and then something the princess completely totally switched gears there and that's where it all like the last seven minutes is where everything went poof Aaron did you want to chime in (laughs) I I just I really didn't like this episode that much there wasn't like for me this is the worst episode of princess principle even worse than the uh, the Beatrice episode yeah I mean I would agree with that there just there wasn't anything in this episode that was that I can point at and be like, yeah, that was a great point. It's like, yeah, no. E- even like the sort of cool spy gadget thing Ange does in this episode with the like smoke bombs, yeah, even that wasn't super interesting either. I just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's what <laughs> I figured that was for. Um, it was <laughs> also poor honestly, Beatrice fairly... only gets like five seconds of screen time in this episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Chise gets, what, almost nothing, I think. Dorothy gets a couple minutes. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, it's, seven, it's a... seven shows up long enough to say hi. Don't ask any questions. Just do the mission. It's it's a very weak episode. Uh, I'm still giving it a four, though. I'm giving it four uh, as well. Uh, I'll give it a three um, because I like some of the things it does with the overarching plot. Um, but yeah, I I can't really go any higher just because it it just didn't interest me nearly as much as the other episodes have. Fair enough. I'm going to give it a two. I I didn't like it at all. Also, I really wish they didn't make Zelda look as pure evil as possible. Oh, (laughs) it's very obvious, yeah. (laughs) Like, just add the mustache and have her twirl it. Yeah, Zelda Zelda is a very bad assassin. (laughs) Just come on now. Just just stop. You're not fooling anyone. (laughs) Uh, Let's move on to Fate Apocrypha, episode 12. Speaking about bad episodes. Yeah, this was... So there was, there's one cool thing that happens in this episode, and that's Vlad's master um, using his command seals to turn Vlad into a vampire and then merge his soul with Vlad. Uh, and that was pretty cool. And then they have a cool fight scene. And then it keeps going. And it keeps going for the entire episode we're just fighting dracula until the very end where shiro finally liberates us from all this boring they made dracula boring somehow i don't know how that happened yeah i Um, like i knew the fight scene was coming but i didn't like i haven't read it but that was really underwhelming it just went on way too long because, like, there were individually like really awesome moments in that fight scene, but stretched over about twenty-four minutes, it's just too much fight scene. Um, so when Dracula confronts Shiro and Shiro like murders him with uh, holy throwing swords, it's like thank God. Keys. <laughs> yeah, that part was cool, and the re- yeah. and the reveal. The big reveal about Shiro being from the uh, being from the I guess you could say main universe. No, he was no, no he was the ruler ser- he was the ruler servant from the previous iteration of the game of the of the of the Grail War. Yeah, like okay, yeah, I know he's he's ruler. Vlad mentioned seeing him in the uh, in the Fuyuki incident, which is part of the main universe, right? The Heavens feel. No, 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 no. The Fuyuki incident in this case refers to when they stole the Greater Grail. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. I thought he was referring to the main timeline that's mostly based in Fuyuki. Okay. No. No, that was the Fuyuki incident was the previous Grail War. Okay. Well, the all previous right. main Grail War that happened in Japan. I thought Since they were then... about to. I I thought they were about to reveal that Shiro is like the Avenger of this universe. <laughs> nope. It's nothing that complicated. All right. Yeah, and like it, <sighs> this episode was pretty bad. Especially, like especially Vlad, the way Vlad dies. It's like first of all, the black keys he could have avoided. Second of all, Jeanne d'Arc could have done the exact same thing with her sacraments. Yeah, doesn't? She, yeah, Jeanne d'Arc is like a holy warrior. I'm not sure why her attacks weren't doing anything. 
Yeah, she just it because they had to show off how badass yeah. Shiro is. It's like she's literally like it. Jeanne d'Arc in uh in the mythology is like literally chosen by God. You'd think she'd be very good at killing vampires. Yeah, yeah, um, she's an extraordinarily <laughs> high-ranking saint. Shiro is not. It, it, like I said, it's all made to look, to make Shiro look badass, which it kind of did until you stop and think about it for a second about how nonsense it is. Yeah, it's now that you mention it. Yeah, that is kind of weird that Jean could do nothing. Also, um, those black keys alone shouldn't have killed him. Uh, also, there's the part where all the other like uh, sir, uh, masters of red get assassinated. Uh, and that kind of sucks, because, like, the Servants of Red were my favorite parts of this series, well, it's, it's, aside from Mordred. I don't think that they got assassinated, but they got their, uh, their command crest taken. Okay, alright, I see. That, it was a little unclear, because it looked like someone was in there and just, like, shot them all. No, <laughs> like, I, put, I, like, put them to sleep with incense and then shot them all or something. The, it might be that, I'm not sure. But it's I know very that unclear. they had their command seals taken. Did anything ever happen to Jack the Ripper, by the way? No, not yet. Okay. She's, she's still out there somewhere. Somewhere. Doing the last things. we saw her, she was killing homunculi. God. And apparently uh, in the novel, she actually kills criminals instead. Okay. But That's a I guess that was taken out better. because... You know, we I, can't have Jack the Ripper in, uh, looking in good light. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I'd, I'd like, I feel like I'd be okay with that interpretation of Jack the Ripper if Fate was a series where, like, um, it was implied that the personality of the uh, master influenced how the servant is. Well, that's like, absolutely could... the case. The problem is, is that she killed her master. Oh, okay. So right. we don't really know. Like, in general, for the servant to be summoned, the master and the servant have to have a general same connection. Compatibility. As as go. Also, <clears throat> like, the animation in this episode, especially considering most of Dracula's form, was just comical. Yeah, Dracula's... The Dracula form also just looks bad, really. It looks dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, like I've seen a lot of different Dracula versions. This is easily the the worst I think I've seen so far. Um, yeah, he just doesn't look very like he looked way more intimidating as just Vlad. Yeah, to be perfectly honest, he was so much cooler as Vlad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like. He, <clears throat> Like, if you're going to make Vlad turn into Dracula, he should at least look even more radical. <laughs> Instead of just, like, a lame bat monster. Uh, what are you doing, Fate? I think, uh, apparently, Fate only knows uh, how to make, like, female characters at this point. Because, like, how, how do you draw male characters? I mean... I wonder if there's any illustrations in the novel. There's, there's got to be. I'm gonna go Maybe. look for that, and see if the, and see if it's the same there, or if it's a case of the animation just being dumb. Uh, 
but yeah, it, this this episode, like on the whole, had like a couple of good moments. Um, I really liked Lancer of the Reds, uh, like uh, attacks against Dracula. Those were fairly good, except for the part where they did absolutely nothing. Apparently, um, even though you, even though I'm pretty sure fire is supposed to be pretty effective against vampires. Yeah, I was <laughs> wondering about that. Also. Like, he just looks like a Disney villain here. Yeah, oh god. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> the, real, the real reason Vlad wants to, wants to like, remove his Dracula curse is because his Dracula form looks lame. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, I give it a two. I'm gonna give it a three. I'm not even gonna be that generous. I liked the Shiro reveal. I liked a couple of the servants' attacks against Dracula, but other than that, it was just way too long, and Dracula himself looks very silly. <laughs> I did like when, uh, when, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, Archer of Black, like, slide kicks a uh, rider. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Out of his grasp. Uh huh. Like, you just see him completely, like, baseball slide kick him out of the way. Yeah. Also, another point against it, there was absolutely no Mordred in this episode. Agreed. Yeah. There, what is what is Mordred even <clears throat> doing? Yeah, I don't know. Like, what, yeah, what are they doing? That's a good question. Also, why is the, uh, that one master of Saber still there? I thought, I thought the golem maker was going to make him into the core of his golem. Uh, I... Guess he, didn't, guess he didn't get around to it yet. <laughs> Who knows? Seems kind of odd to assault the uh, your uh, enemy's fortress without your big old noble phantasm, but sure. <sighs> I don't even know anymore. Uh, anyway, let's move on from Fate Apocrypha. Uh, and uh, Larry and Ben, uh, what happened in Maiden Abyss episode 11? Oh, oh, oh wait. Hold on. What's up? Here you go, Dustin. This is what's up in, in uh, episode 11. Oh, God. Is that a... <laughs> is that a, like, rock monster with a vagina for a face? No. Uh, yeah, the, the big reveal... <clears throat> yeah, the, the big reveal in this episode is, uh... That's what the Curse of the Abyss does to people who go up from the sixth layer. Oh... Well, that's one of the things it can do. Right? Yeah. It. What? It, yeah. That's what. That's what. Uh, that's what losing your humanity means. Or. I see. Fascinating. So yeah. So. Right. So yeah. So what it basically means is you get you get some kind of uh, random transformation. For good or for ill, mostly for ill. Uh, and so it turned out that uh, Nanachi uh, and a friend, you know, went down to the sixth layer and then came back up and uh, were hit by the curse. And so Nanachi got turned into a bunny girl and her friend got turned into that. I see. Is that why Ozen has, like, weird super strength? And no. That's because she has thing. those things embedded in her. They, oh, right. That was her artifact. 
Yeah, where each one is like the strength of one man or something like that. So then why did like Rico's mother look completely normal when she got back? The white whistles are the exception. They're also all called out to be completely monstrous freaks. Okay. <laughs> Alright, whatever made in the busy universe. <laughs> like we've only seen um Rico's mother a handful of times and we've never sh we're never shown what she can do. True. I mean it's weird cuz you think with all like the mythology around her there'd at least be stories about it like I think that's the one of the things that irritates me most about Made in the Abyss that is that like things that they have as mysteries don't make sense to be mysteries in this universe at all. Well, for a future White Whistle, it does make sense because he's further down and he basically doesn't um, uh, report to anyone. Like, there's no reason, there's no one above him. So no one really knows what the hell he's doing. And all we know about, uh, what's-her-face, the big old one, is that she has the, uh the one safe spot in that one layer. And that she's monstrously strong. That's all, yeah. like, the general populace knows. Well, uh, it's like Nanachi says, uh, it's better to just tell people that you've died instead of trying to come back the way you are. <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> it's, it'll be interesting to see what Rico has to say when she regains consciousness. She'll be fine. The Cthulhu monster is watching her. Wait, did Rico, like, was Rico unconscious for this whole episode? Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, yeah, so like most The show has become a parody of itself. So most of the episode was uh, exchange of this Exchanges between uh, Reg and Nanachi. Yeah, that makes sense because Reg is basically the main character now. <laughs> well, Reg is still trying to get a grasp. He had a flashback where uh, uh, he was pretty sure that he was either at um, the place where. Lisa's buried or not and he's kind of running around confused. His little brain cells are kind of uh, garbaged. Right. Now let's see. This next episode is going to be... No, there's one more episode and then the hour-long episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and supposedly the next episode explains explains the curse in greater detail. Yeah, it should. Yeah, I would yeah. like some more detail, yes. That, that, that would... As long as it's detail that doesn't go overboard. Well, so, yeah, I'm, uh... I thought this was a pretty decent episode. I'll give it a four, and I'm definitely looking forward to the next episode. Yeah, I'm... I'm well, I... I tackled it in my normal style of tackling episodes like this, and found that it was... Yeah, Palatable. I'll give it a four, uh, and I'm with Ben. I'd like to know. I, I want to see how they uh, 
Because an hour-long episode, that means they either got something really unique up their sleeve, because if they bore me to tears for an hour, I'm going to be so upset. Carry on, boss. All right, so... Go ahead, Ben. Uh, no, I didn't have anything to say. I... All right. Uh, My Hero Academy, episode 26. All right, so I liked most of this episode. <laughs> uh, let me guess what you didn't like. Yeah, it's a, take a wild guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's Minetta's, uh, Minetta's test. Yeah, oh god. I... Man. I found it kind of amusing, uh... A kind of amusing in that it in that it actually showed Minetta being fairly clever, um, but I think it went on a bit too long. Yeah, yes. but here's the thing, I don't want Minetta to succeed ever. Which one's Minetta? The, uh, the, the requisite dog. pervy one. The, oh. Well, in my generation, we called them horn dogs. Yeah. yeah. You know how every anime, you know how every anime has to have a male character that's obnoxious toward women. Minetta's oh, that one. Th- this is the designated one. Yeah. yeah he, uh-huh. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's uh, what you all call a piece of work. Um. So the the good parts of this episode, uh, I think my favorite part actually um was the oh god it had the girl with the acid uh, uh and ashido yeah, and uh, her name her name is uh, ashido yeah ashido and oh god what was the guy she was paired up with the, the one that talks to yeah, he, the one that talks to uh and our uh, insects and stuff uh, no. no 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 he he got paired up with uh earplugs uh, oh, that's right. no, it right, was, right. uh, it was, uh, Kaminari, the electric guy. All right, yes, yeah, so, uh, they got paired, they got to face the principal of the school, and that's where we learned that the, uh, principal was, like, <clears throat> his quirk is basically super intelligence, like, he is literally a lab rat, like, artificially created by humans, uh, and he's, like, a hat, and, like, he could have become a supervillain, basically. He's he's on that border. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So like they they make a point to say like oh during these uh, during these scenarios the principal really gets to cut loose uh, his anger about what humanity did to him uh, by taking it out on these students. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he does that by basically um, never actually directly interacting with them, but rather just closing off all their escape routes because he can predict where they're going to go because he's super intelligent it's <laughs> it's hilarious yes a little annoying but hilarious yeah i i like that uh i also like the um the battle with uh uh earplugs or is it headphones i can't remember uh, what her, her uh, okay she her name is your name is jiro uh her name is Jiro, uh, and uh, yeah, and she uh, teamed up with the let's see, the guy who can talk to animals, and, uh, yeah. and they go up against present Mike. Yeah, I like how present Mike could have easily won, 
but he's kind of like lazy <laughs> and self-assured so he doesn't really take it seriously he just like stands back and just blasts them with sound uh, and kind of just lets them do whatever until eventually uh, the talks to animals guy uh, like gets over his fear of bugs and then just covers present Mike in bugs which I agree with some of the other heroes watching it it's that that's a very cruel thing to do to someone <laughs> well what I like was uh, recovery girls comments while this was all going on recovery girl has some good commentary it's true yes it was like you know, it's like the elder statesman going yeah idiot idiot I love it idiot uh, but then, yeah, we had the sequence with Mineta, and during during the sequence, like he almost comes to a realization where he's like, "I came to this school because I thought uh, being a hero would make girls like me." But then I realized, like these these people weren't cool because they were heroes; they're heroes because they're cool. And then you think, okay, well, maybe Mineta will actually have some form of character development. But no, actually, he doesn't. Well, the big thing he has is he wanted to end up in Midnight's arms or anywhere else he could end up. And he had to realize that if he did that, he would have lost. Yeah, there's that, too. Um yeah. But then, like, you know, he also had the sequence at, at the end where he does a one-liner where he's like, we'll save the breasts for later this time. I'm yeah, like... I know. I know. I Someone know. shoot this man into the sun. Well, like I said, you know, we called them horn dogs for obvious All, all Might, can you please do your team rocket punch on Mineta? Uh, now... Speaking of All Might, yeah, then we get to the last few minutes of it where... Uh, oh yeah, it's yeah. Bakugo and Deku teaming up. Yeah, or trying to team up, or maybe teaming up, or maybe Deku should just stand back and let All Might turn him into a grease spot and then go, see, you should have listened to me. Yeah, one of my one of my friends made the joke that next episode will be the uh, episode where the show tries to get you to be sympathetic towards Bakugo. Uh, and I responded, good luck, show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, let's put it this way. This guy works with no one, uh, thinks that... Oh, I'm not going to go into the... Like, I, I've, go... I, I do think Bakugo is, at this point, a pretty decent foil, uh, but I hate him. Oh, yeah, with um, passion. I d- so, like, if the show is going to try and get me to feel any sort of sympathy, sympathy for Bakugo, it's like, yeah, I good luck with that, buddy. Well, if he's dangling from a rope, I might feel a little bit of sympathy for him. But oh, yeah, yeah no, anything, I, I don't... I, I would save else. his life. If, like, I don't want him to die. I mean, he's not... I don't... He's not Mineta, so... Okay, we're, we're, we're just justifying where how far we're going here. <laughs> I'm just uh, saying I wouldn't want to invite him to a party. <laughs> oh, unless, you know, the pool had crocodiles in it. Oh, never mind. I don't want to hang out with him. There you go. Uh, I anyway. Got yeah, 
that's that that that's a scary picture right there. I'll give this episode a hmm. man. This this one's real tough because I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. I'm gonna give it a four. Oh hmm. I'm I'm going a little three ish here. I'm also gonna go with a three as well. I I was outside of Recovery Girl. I there was a few things that might have been impressive, but the 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 floor show in the middle kind of screwed everything up. The principal was hilarious. Yeah. Um, I like that part of it. Uh, I liked how President Mike's battle ended, though I think the actual uh, conflict went on a little too long, and it was otherwise somewhat boring because uh, it was basically just waiting for Animal Guy to like get the nerve to talk to bugs um, and get over his fear of bugs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it, you know, and instead of uh, Midnight, as it should have been Mountain Lady. Uh, oh, Mount Lady? Yeah. <clears throat> Mount Lady is not actually with the school. Yeah, she's not a teacher, is the, is the I issue. I know, but I'm saying but I'm saying is if they were if they were going to have something where those where those two would have really had to work their tails off to get around. Yeah, you know, the woman who can become sixty feet tall. Hi yeah. guys. I'm, Hi, I'm a fan of that I'm a fan of that fight idea, but the my only issue with it is is that uh if there's any female character in this show that has been uh it treated the worst. It's Mountain Lady. I know. Give uh-huh. her some. Give her something to you know. It's trying to be equal opportunity and and you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Eh. I know. I I just don't trust My Hero Academy when Mountain Lady comes on screen because they're probably just gonna make a dumb joke about her. Um. Anyway, moving on to Rage of Bahamut Virgin Soul episode twenty two. Where once again Nina cannot kill a man who committed genocide. Well, in this case, maybe letting him live a couple of frames might have been a good idea because with what he was doing, and nobody else would have been able to control it. Oh God, this friggin' reveal! I, like I, w- I, know. I was afraid that they were gonna pull this garbage where it's like, oh, see, his his like fascism was justified because he was making a weapon to kill Bahamut. Yeah, except, I was like, don't do this show. Yeah, except that does not add up at all. Because... No, it doesn't. <laughs> no. Does not compute, does not... Yeah. I mean, yeah, because you know, the thing... I mean... I mean, the best I can... The best... The best I can... best, like... Uh, theory I can give as to why... Uh, the king would focus so much energy on, uh, you know, oppressing the demons was because he was afraid that they would interfere with his plan to kill Bahamut. Yeah, like, maybe, uh, like, or like, you could maybe say that, oh, you know, he enslaved the demons so he could have forced laborers to work on his doomsday weapon to kill Bahamut but even then like it it doesn't add up like they're trying to make it seem like oh he had to be like this because he was working for the greater good but yeah yeah, excuse me that's where I had to go grab my hip waiters 
Yeah, like, it doesn't actually, like... The show is basically saying 2 plus 2 equals 7. And by pie, apple, berry, or cherry. Like, nothing... Nothing about his previous actions were in any way necessary to create the Bahamut killing device. Well, and the thing is, is, you know, we, we go back to Nina for a minute, and it's like she's standing there with the sword. Yeah, she didn't have to cut his hand off. All she had to do was break the bracelet. Oh, and then the, and then the thing that really ticks me off is, uh, is Kaiser going, oh, no, it, it's like, don't take it out on the prince on Charius, uh, the, he was actually killed by, you know, my subordinate. And it's like, Kaiser, don't stand up for the king. It's, it's because of, like, what he turned the military into that your subordinate even thought he had to kill him to actually get ahead. Like, they're both equally culpable. Like, him for actually doing the killing and the king for creating the environment that encourages well, that kind of you know, stuff. I, I go back a few episodes to where they kidnapped El and took took him back to heaven, and Chario stood there and says, "Yeah, I would have killed you if you'd have stuck around." And it's like, okay, uh, now everybody's going, but he wouldn't have killed. Oh yeah, he said it. Maybe you know we heard it, but nobody else did. But yeah, yeah. he said oh, it. He, he 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 wanted the boy dead. Man. Kaiser going well actually on like. On the whole, like, uh, Maguro's death scenario is just the dumbest thing. <laughs> well, well, uh, I can actually, I can see where Kaiser's coming from in that it's not, it's not just because, you know, the king was technically, technically not guilty of this particular crime. It's that by leading this army in to do battle with the king. Kaiser was basically afraid that a whole lot of people were going to die for for a very for, not. for a very dubious for a dubious for dubious gain. I I mean I, I, I mean I guess he should have said that instead. <laughs> yeah, if he just said something along the lines of like, you know, you guys don't need to fall on your swords, you know, for this idiot because he's an idiot. But, yeah. yeah, I think in this particular, in this case, yeah, I think overall Kaiser is wrong and Jean is right. Yeah, absolutely. Like Jean has every right in the world to murder Sherrios. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, even what he did to her in the first season. So it's like, you know, yeah, well, this, yeah, this. like even just for the things that Sherrios has like done by his own hand. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, and, and the thing about this is that it seems that this was completely unnecessary. Because, right, because, okay, we, we have it established now that Charios' ultimate plan is to, you know, use this super weapon to kill Bahamut. Okay, you'd think that if he explained this plan to the people, they would have been all on board. Because, because the people... Would re- the people like remembered like what happened ten years before? They remembered that Bahamut almost destroyed them, and so they'd be like, "Oh, you're going to kill Bahamut? Yes, sign me up." He would have had volunteers for for you know need done to do to 
build a super weapon. But see, you have to remember, you know, he's he, he's 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 too good. Uh, he he's the king. He doesn't need the peasants' help. Sorry. I mean, if if that if that was the case, if he did it because he looked down on them, then they didn't really establish that particularly well. Um, oh, I'm and also like. There. And even if you take the tack of, like, oh, well, Charius didn't want anyone to know because he was afraid that, like, the demons or the angels would interfere. And it's like, well, the demons and the angels, like, lost even more people to Bahamut than the humans did. Yeah. The angels especially. Like, the angels would absolutely be helping you out creating a Bahamut-killing weapon. Yeah. I I think... The part here that aggravates me the most, and I don't know how they would have done it, but killing Eloth was wrong. Completely and totally wrong. Uh, You know, injuring him to where he couldn't, but just flat killing him off, that's set so many mechanisms in motion here that I think their mechanisms have gotten away from them. I mean, I, I, that was a completely unexpected turn in events when that happened. I knew it was going to happen, and I watched it happen, but it's like, why did you do this? You know, what, 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 were you, what were you trying to accomplish and prove by doing this? Well, it's because it makes the hero's job harder. Because the thing about L is that L like, has like powers that could completely shut down the Onyx Knights. And so, yep. you know, going into the, you know, going into the, you know, you know big uh, confrontation, can't have that. So, L has to be taken off the board. It's kind of impressive how Rage of Bahamut has been like, it was on a streak for a while, and, like, as this sort of Charius plotline comes to a close, it's just completely falling apart because very little of anything surrounding him makes any narrative sense. It's just, ugh. It is handled so poorly. And Nina just... Nina looks worse than she's ever been. Like, at the start, I just thought she was, like, annoying. Um, But now I actively despise her for being so weak-willed that she cannot even bring herself to, like, hurt a man who has killed a bunch of her friends and and was indirectly responsible for murdering her best friend. It's like, come on. I know. These people seem to sow confusion everywhere they're going. I tell you what, I'm I'm annoyed at the amount of confusion that's being sown here. Oh man, I give this episode a two. Eh, I'm going to be generous and give it a three because Jean d'Arc was in there, and it's still that's it's true. St- I still find it amazing that Akko and John's John's voice are the same person. It's just like it's, 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 I, I John know. did look pretty badass. That's oh, yeah. true. And I mean, those those were not lines that you would ever hear out of Akko. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm going to give it a three. 
Alright, let's move on to Shokoku no Altair, episode 10. Okay, so uh, they basically get together and tell him, yeah, we got this great plan, and his subordinates look around and say, yeah, and if this plan blows up, he's the one that's going to get hung with it. Yeah, by the way, the plan is to have you cross-dress. <laughs> well, I was going to get to that, but yeah. <laughs> I won't say you knocked the wind out of my sails, but they're now fluttering a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Their plan is basically to go deep into enemy territory. Well, they're they're basically to start a rebellion and overthrow the sultans and replace them with sultans that are friendly to the uh, pasha. So, you know, yeah, I can see where this is all going to gonna go and i can see you know why they're having to do some of the strange and outlandish undercover things that they're having to do but it's like cross dressing was just a little much in my opinion i mean i'm i was fine with it like they don't make it into a joke outside of the fact that like the uh outside of like the cover is just so absurd that you know uh, a um, Mama's cover is supposed to be that uh, he is acting as a wife that is on a honeymoon uh, with her husband, um, and that's what that's what like oh, I can't remember what what his name is, but one of Mama's comrades, mm-hmm. um, like that's what he came up with for the cover. Like that's the joke. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, so I th- I think all I think like this is one of the better instances of cross dressing in anime. Um, well, it, it, I mean it, it's kind of kind of because see I watched Prince's Principal after I watched this and I said oh yeah the spy spy it, spy well stuff. Okay. yeah sure. the thing about the, the okay yeah the uh, the cross dressing bit was fine because it was fine because it didn't overstay its welcome <clears throat> like yeah. I'll give it that. <laughs> that you know, that if also they dragged helps. if they dragged on the whole cross dressing bit for like most of the episode, that would have been bad. But they just kept it to just like a brief scene, and then it was done with, and then we can move on with, and then we can move on with the rest of the episode. So it was fine. Yeah, it was mostly just there to serve as a like joke for how ridiculous the plan to get in is. It's like, oh, this, yet, is, this is what it, you come up with? It actually kind of works. <laughs> All right, <and> buddy. <laughs> yeah, and yet it somehow works. <laughs> yeah, I know. Strange, stranger things have happened. Yeah. On the whole, I mean, the, what they're planning on doing has, for the time that this is supposed to be set in, it's pretty sophisticated for its time, so... Um, yeah, I, I, as long as people stay in character, we're probably okay. My my favorite part of this episode actually was sort of like how it was able to um, have a like basically place a mood of paranoia over the group for basically the entire episode because they're never entirely sure if the people they're meeting in this city who are supposed to be their allies are actually going to stay their allies. <laughs> Cuz like there's there's always the question in the back of their mind of like okay, so we're giving them a deal, but are they going to get like a better deal and just like turn us over? 
Well, and the guy, the the guy in the mask, you know, going, yeah, well, you know, if I wear your mask, you can't tell what's going on, can you? See, that's this, that's my little secret thing. And I uh, like the. Yeah, I like how like, I like how sharp Mahmoud is about all this stuff. Like, yeah, and, and the fact that you know yeah. he gets like, you know, he he sort of gets like what's going on with these sultans, and he's like, you know, yeah, you know, and, and he sort of he he understands the principle of international relations, which is that uh, you know countries don't have friends; they have interests. But that was an interesting statement. True, but interesting the way it was projected. Yeah. This isn't your typical. I mean, it, it, it's it does have some uh, moments where it's like it's exceptionally smart, and this episode had some of those exceptionally smart moments in it. Yeah, the uh, like the history, like the uh, the history and politics of this world is uh, really fun. Really, really well, really well developed. So, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I go well developed. I'm not sure about the fun bit, but it's, it's well developed. <laughs> well, it's, inter- it's, 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 it's really, it's actually, it's really entertaining watching Mahmoud, you know, trying to stay one step, you know, trying to, you know, trying to stay one step ahead of the, uh, of the bad guys. Yeah. And I have to admit, they have come up with some rather interesting bad guys, too. This, uh, oh, what is he, Duke, no, um, the, the, the guy that's masterminding all this... The, remotely. Louis, the uh, the minister, uh, the yeah, minister yeah. of the Fault Rain Empire. Louis, Louis's gonna slip himself up here, and it'll be interesting to see how he, how when he slips up, how fast people set the noose around him and pull it. Because you know that's gonna happen. Yeah, that's a. Uh... I mean, that usually what happens when 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 the dictator gets so full of himself that he thinks he's invincible, and that's. Uh, that's where he's headed here. This this could it's going to be interesting. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> it's not quite as simple as that. Oh, it never is. I'm trying to should be relatively simplistic well, yeah, here. So anyway, this was a this was a very very good episode. I'm going to give it a five, actually. I agree. I'll give it yes. a five. All right. Uh, let's move on to the reflection, episode nine. Things are going very badly for our <laughs> heroes. Uh, I do have to say that I was impressed by um, the, like, sh- I'm not sure what the government organization that's going around trying to police the heroes are. I can't remember what that lady's uh, a- agency uh... is named, but. Uh, they're like I guess they're the anti-reflected task force. Yeah, the anti-reflected task force. I like how um, like she had the mental fortitude to still be able to drive the vehicle even after the uh, illusion um, villain basically made everyone think that they were covered in snakes. Because man, I 
I even knowing that they were an illusion, I'd still have a real hard time concentrating. I can tell you that. Yeah. So, props to that lady. <laughs> um, uh, I also really like. I also really like how they eventually get taken out, where the dude who controls electricity just like stands in the middle of the road <laughs> and just flips their car. Uh, their reflection tends to stay away from like fairly action-packed sequences, um, but sometimes that they get away with stuff that you don't think the the anime the animation style is really suited for, and that part was actually surprisingly good. <laughs> yeah, the whole car chase sequence was. <laughs> was very well done. Yeah, I really liked it actually. And we kind of end the episode with uh, our other heroes getting captured by the task force, just like in their hotel room. Yeah, except that's not the end. Yeah, because because they bust out. They they yeah they are actually like basically V uh, basically gets called by I guess the. Uh, by the darkness, uh, and is forced to, uh, and is forced to, uh, basically go to them, and then, you know, and so she busts out, and then, you know, Lisa oh, right. turns her, yeah, turns her wheelchair into a into mech. A mech. Again, yeah. Yeah, all oh, right, now I remember, yeah, that's how it did end, like, the cliffhanger was them, like, facing down the task force. Also, I'm still trying to figure out what they're doing with that, like, those three Japanese girls. Like, that's got to have a payoff somehow. I'm just not sure what yeah. it is. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna, yeah, right. My current theory is that it's going to be revealed that they're Wraith. Like, all three of them are Wraith. That's my theory, but... Actually, I think there's four of them. All four of them, okay. All four of them are Wraith. That's my off-the-wall theory. That's probably wrong, but I have no idea why we're currently following them still. Like... They seem completely irrelevant to what's going on, so that's the only thing I can think of that makes sense. Uh, let's see. I think they're they're the ones that sing the ending theme. Yeah, yeah. And they also, like, do the dances, I believe. Probably. I bet their voice actresses are the ones dancing in the ending theme. Could be. Um, which, by the way, like, the, the theme songs for this show are actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, the, the ending theme is, you know... Pretty solid, uh, pretty solid J-pop, and the opening theme is like it is archetypal superhero superhero music. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I believe I've said this before, but it bears repeating. This is the opening theme music is amazing. Yeah. Um, overall, like I don't have a lot to say about this episode because I think a lot of it was action. Um, but I liked it a lot. It kept me really entertained. Um, and I'm really looking forward to how this show concludes, honestly. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to give this episode a four. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a four as well. Sorry, actually, no, I'll give it a five, honestly. I really liked it. Um, I believe, uh, so you didn't finish up JoJo's, right? You're still working on that? I have not, yeah, I'm still working on that. Alright, so we'll talk about that later. Uh, so now it's time to go over Anachart. Aaron, you can come back now. <laughs> we stopped, we stopped talking about all the boring anime that you hate. All right. I also uh, went through the Fate Apocrypha books, 
and there is no illustration of uh, Vlad's Dracula form. Uh, okay. She's probably for the best. Alright, so here we go. Also, um, the fight between him and Shira was much better. It wasn't just spamming black keys till he died. Oh, okay. <laughs> Alright, so uh, I'm gonna go be uh, sorting this by air date. Um, so... Uh, Episode that airs first will be basically episode that airs first, episode that airs last. Uh, hang on. Let me. So, first being Gintama? Uh, first, um, is actually a second season of Osumatsu san. Which. I was. I was not expecting Osumatsu san to be nearly as financially successful as it apparently was. Um, I thought it was okay. Like, I watched a couple episodes of it. It was fine. I didn't really care to continue watching it, but apparently that thing did <clears throat> extremely well, somehow. Like, like I really... Like, with Osumatsu-san, I saw two episodes of it. And I... I, like... I loved the... I loved the first episode. I thought the first episode was hilarious. Yeah, the first episode was really funny. Uh, second episode second, was okay, but the gag well, went on way too long. <laughs> well, oh, okay, you know, the second episode had one good bit and one bit that was completely unfun. Yeah. And I just did not care to, I just did not care to see anymore. <laughs> yeah, apparently a lot of people liked it, so I guess good for them. They're getting another season of Osumatsu's on, like... All told, I'm a lot more okay with Osumazu-san getting more seasons than I am with, like, whatever generic, like, fanservice show getting more seasons. Like, at least it's something different. <laughs> so, good good on you, Osumazu-san, for succeeding somehow. Uh, also, yeah, another season of Gintama. Like, okay, the previous season of Gintama was great. Ben because Ben will assuredly watch this entire thing and no one else will. <laughs> it was yeah, because cause what's been happening is is that the uh the plot like okay, right, like for most of its run, Gintama had a structure where it alternated between like very serious arcs and like strings which you know very serious arcs which go on for multiple episodes at a time. And are, you know, examples of very solid, you know, you know, very solid, uh, you know, common, uh, very solid mix of action, comedy, and drama. Yeah. So I, and then, uh, so I literally don't know what Gintama is about, and that's, by the way, not an invitation for you to spend twenty minutes telling me. Um, <laughs> the, okay. I, I only, I, I, can, I only I experience. Nope. No, no, I, no, I just said it's not an invitation. Uh, <laughs> I can explain it in one sentence. Okay. It is, Roni Kenshin. On acid. Okay, good job. Awesome. I I think I have an idea now. I mostly experienced Gintama through Twitter. Um, specifically, apparently there was an episode where some of the characters spend a while discussing which Dragon Ball character is the best. <laughs> so that's a thing. Uh, yeah, but whatever you the, say. Okay, but but the thing about what Gintama has been doing is that like. It's been, uh, the, the past few seasons have been much more focused on the serious side. 
Um, in that, you know, like, they, like, you know, even though, like, some, like, the episodes have, like, jokes, have jokes within them, they're not built around the jokes, as, like, a lot of the comedic episodes were. Um. Alright. So, yeah, this is gonna be another season of that. I'm sure it will continue to be fairly solid, and that Ben will love it, and then I won't get into it, because, good lord, there are six seasons. I'm already trying to catch up on Dragon Ball Super. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, at this point it's over 300 episodes. Oh, and we, we thought Legend of the Galactic Heroes at 110 was something. No. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. yeah see, um, the difference is Legend of Galactic Heroes is real good. <laughs> I, look, I was just going. I, I'm sure Gintama is good, but Logh is on a whole nother level. It's true. Moving um, right along. UQ Holder, another season of that. Oh, wait, this is a Maho Sensei Negama spinoff. Yeah. I forgot it about is a, that. It is a direct sequel to Negama. Right. This, is this the one where uh, the vampire girl is like the main character? I can't remember. Well, uh, like she's the no, teacher or something? Yes. Yes. She is. So, she, yeah. So, yeah. So, at this point, basically, Evangeline has become Yukihime. And she is like in her like in her like adult adult form, and she's like the mentor figure to uh, right to the main to the main character who is like the grandson of the original Negi. Yeah, I co- I completely forgot that UQ Holder even existed. Um, this is the second season of it, I guess. Um, no, no. Oh wait, no. Because... I'm sorry. I saw the two there and assumed it was the second season. Um, no. But it's actually just saying that this is Maho Sensei Neg- Negima 2. Yes. It's so basically it's, the it's subtitle. The, <laughs> yes, the subtitle is, yeah, it's the sequel to, it's the sequel to Negima. Alright, so I, I mean, I guess I suppose this somewhat validates my method of getting around to things, where if I don't get around to a manga that's apparently good, it'll eventually come out as an anime instead. <laughs> so... Sure. I guess this is how I will be experiencing it, and finding out if, in fact, it is worth it. Um, so yeah, I'll be watching the first episode of this, might as well. Uh, next up is, uh, Black Clover by Studio Perot. Uh. It's, yes, I'm following the manga, it's basically, <laughs> it's, you know, it's basically your standard Shonen Jump manga. Yeah, I've, man, this premise sounds very familiar. Asa is a young boy who dreams of becoming the greatest mage in the kingdom. Only one problem, he can't use any magic. Now this is just making me very sad that uh, MX Zero did not continue on. Really, don't, don't remind me, dude. No, Black Clover is way better than MX Zero. I will fight you for that, and I haven't read Black Clover. Oh, uh, this is this is how the podcast is torn apart. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll give it a shot. You know, Studio Perot tends anything. to make decent stuff, or that at the very least interesting stuff. So. I'll take a look at Black Clover. Uh, Sengoku Nightblood. It's an anime based off a video game that's once again Sengoku period. No. Wolf. No. You got. Wolf. You have to be at least as bombastic as Sengoku Basara for me to care about your, like, Warring States era adaptation. Um, yeah, easy skip. Uh, Juni Tyson. Yeah. Twelve year old who are yeah. what? 
Okay, what it strikes me, okay, this is not just a Sengoku video game. This sounds like a Sengoku Otome. Oh god, you're right. I didn't finish the sentence. The game centers around different warlords from Japan's Warring States period who are all involved with the player character. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it is an Otome game. It is Otome. Alright. So, yeah. Even easier, Skip. Uh, 12 warriors, uh, Junie Tyson, Junie Tyson, 12 warriors who are burdened with the names of the 12 Chinese Zodiac members, uh, already falling asleep. Next. <laughs> Fight each other with each other's lives uh, and prides at the stake, all to grant them okay. just one wish. Hey, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, the noteworthy, the noteworthy thing is that it's written by Nishio Ishin. Wait, really? Yeah. Huh. Okay, I guess I'll try it. <laughs> I'm watching you though, Econ. Don't don't burn me on this, you, you man. I haven't agreed to watch anything yet. Uh, more Shokugeki no Soma, a third season of it, which I will continue to watch. Have fun because this is where the big because this season is where the big bad comes out, and he is terrifying. All right. I I wanted to like it, but like the first two episodes really turned me off with like the sexist garbage so um infinity force by tatsunoko uh which apparently is a 3d cg crossover anime celebrating tatsunoku properties which all right um i'll watch the first episode because that sounds goofball enough to give a shot also because i do really like the design of gotcha man so <laughs> uh man so far nothing i'm super excited for nope. um we'll we'll get there though those are all airing later yeah. uh konohana kitan the manga story is set in kokohanate a hot spring hotel located in in between our world and the other world where many people go to visit the story portrays the lives of Fox Fox period spirits who take a shot, take the form of girls, and work at the hotel. Yeah, restaurant to another world. Skip. Yeah. Next. Urahara, take another shot. Three high school girls are putting together a limited time shop called Park. Uh, in Japan's Harajuku, one day aliens come to Earth with the intent to steal the famed district's culture. Okay. Mm-hmm. At the same time, a mysterious girl appears. A girl appears. Take another shot. The three girls band together to defeat the alien threat and protect their beloved heart. Oh God, that sounds so, so dumb. Next, <sighs> I will give. I will give it a try. Just cause. Godspeed. You know, you know, uh, ben reminds me of Mikey in the Life commercials. You know, Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's the uh, he's he's more the anime canary that we said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if he comes back <laughs> tweeting, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, Next. Uh, Suki Pro, the animation, the music anime will follow the daily lives of us an associated drama or four of Suki Pro's very unique group groups: Solid S, Quell, Soara, and Growth. Is this like a Idol anime, but for boy bands this time. It seems Sounds like, like it. it. All right, skip. And yeah, I'm skipping that. Yeah, <laughs> screw that. <laughs> Look, if if they're if they if they're not fighting aliens with lightsabers, like I'm not even gonna give it one episode. Um, <laughs> and then there's, there's Di- the next sequel to it. 
<laughs> uh, Dynamic Chord, also by Studio Perot. The project follows the musical careers and personal lives of several different brands under the Dynamic Chord Agency and Music Label. Are you kidding me? Next. <laughs> oh, jeez. Those air literally on the same day. <laughs> yep. Probably two or three hours apart, just because. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, nice segue. That's impressive. I didn't. I almost didn't notice that. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, the next the next anime by a studio named Pine Jam, uh, who I can't remember if I've ever watched anything from them. Um, oh, okay, they're doing Gamers this season. All right. And Gamers is good. Uh, yeah, so the original anime, Just Because, focuses on subtly portraying the feelings of a group of high school students nearing graduation. Near the end of the second semester at third year, um, uh, when students have very little time in high school left and are just waiting for graduation, the appearance of a new transfer student begins to change what remains of their high school lives just as they were about to graduate. So it looks like a grounded, realistic drama, I guess. Which, alright, yep. sure, I'll give with, it a shot. With Rome, it's, it's labeled romance, so... I mean, I'm, I'm always down to give an original anime a shot if it sounds even vaguely interesting. Yeah, I um, might. Uh, moving on to Osama Game, the animation. Uh, the story begins when an entire high school class of 32 people receive a message on their cell phones from a person known only as the King. These messages contain orders that the students must obey and take a shot, or they risk the punishment of death. <laughs> Next. Yeah, I, I've read the... Yeah, it's it's okay. Alright. It, it's not great. Okay, also, cool. So another mediocre killing game. Awesome. Yeah, I just watched the trailer for Junin Tyson. It, the animation is real good. Oh, which right. isn't that much of a surprise considering it's being done by by Grafnica, who did oh who did who did Helsing Ultimate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, also Drifters. All right, I see. Yeah, so the animation <laughs> also <solid>. expelled from <laughs> Paradise. We'll uh, ignore that one. <laughs> Again, animation is solid. I said. Yeah, <laughs> true. Uh, now for what I'm actually now for the first one I'm really actually stoked for uh, the next Garo anime, Vanishing Line by Mappa, uh, which is set in uh, modern, sort of modern day, kind of <laughs> not really any real city, but it's it's a lot more modern than. Uh, previous Garos have been, which have been set in like sort of fantasy kingdoms. Uh, this one well, has the main character riding on a motorbike. Uh, Crimson Moon was set in a, a historic, the historical Heian period. Oh right, yeah, that one was vaguely like historical fiction. Um, the the uh, I can't remember what subtitle they gave the first Garo animated series. It was just it was uh, the carved seal of flame. Right. Yeah, that one was just set in a completely fictional kingdom, and then this one is set in a fictional modern city called Russell City. Uh, so it's likely gonna seem it's likely gonna look a lot more like the Garo um, live action series, uh, which I believe with that with very with no. I believe like all, all the all the live action Garovs I've seen have been set in a modern day setting. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, I just hope it doesn't yeah. disappoint like Crimson Moon did. <laughs> also, maybe less sexual assault, please. 
Thank you, Garo. Uh, moving on to Sereto Sumibito wa Ryuto Odoru. Uh, the story revolves around Jushiki, literally spell equations. Oh boy, Aaron, I control your erection. Uh, the I'm trying equation. To find... Okay, so the English title is Dance with the Dragons. <laughs> okay. It doesn't sound like a light novel, but apparently it is a light novel, so. It's well, kind of weird. I'm confused. Yeah, I know. It's not about, like, two boy. Like, I just. I'm in a fantasy kingdom and I control spells with math! Exclamation yeah, yeah. point. Uh, so, so the equations that govern the quantum constant H of action change the laws and of physics at the local scale, give birth to TNT explosives and poison gas, and cause incredible physical phenomena such as plasma and nuclear fusion. Two Jushikishi spell equationists who use Jushiki in battle are Gaius, who deals with bad luck with tact. Okay, that's a weird sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and the beautiful but cruel sword wielder Gigina. These two bounty hunters are caught up in a battle with dragons in the city of Eridana and the intrigue of great nations. I'll give it a shot. Might as well. Yeah, it's not. It, yeah, it's not an isekai thing, but it's yeah, it's it seems like a yeah, light novel adaptation uh, with an overly elaborate magic system. Yeah, so it's not it's not strictly an isekai, but it shares blood with isekais. <laughs> Cuz if there's one thing isekais love, it's it's like setting up their uh fantasy worlds in far too much detail. Um but yeah, we'll see. It could be good, who knows. I certainly <laughs> <Tolkien>. don't. <clears throat> I mean, yes, okay. <laughs> I, the difference is I like Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I still don't. Uh, also, with at least, at least with Tolkien's world, like you don't literally need to know all that shit. Like that's it. That's in the appendixes for a reason. I <laughs> love the appendices. I mean, the appendices yeah. were the best. Part. In that one book, that's just an entire book of appendices. I mean, yeah, let's yeah, the Silmarillion. That's literally true. I know people who love the Silmarillion. Um and. God's and they are them. crazy people. Uh, no, best part. Best part were the appendices of Return of the King. Yeah, I I didn't really read those. I appreciate their existence, uh, but also again the difference is, is that those are kept separate from this actual story because Tolkien knew that that would be a bad idea to just like diverge for twenty pages to talk about elf history. <laughs> I don't know. He does it on description of trees, so. Yeah, but it's like trees are cool though. Uh, and he's got pa yes, pages and pages of elf poetry. Also, also, if you come at me about Tom Bombadil, yeah, prepare to die. Yeah, don't make me break him out. Yeah, don't come after Tom Bombadil. I will put you in the ground. Uh, anyway, uh, Shoujo Shumatsu Ryoko. Civilization is dead, but Shido and Yuri are still alive. Cool. So they hop aboard their beloved Kattenkrad motorbike and aimlessly wander the ruins of the world they once knew. Day after hopeless day, they look for their next meal and fuel for their ride. But as long as the two are together, even an existence as bleak as theirs has a ray or two of sunshine in it. Whether they're sucking down their fill of soup or hunting for machine parts to tinker with... Uh, sorry, I lost my spot. Uh, for two girls in a world full of nothing, the experiences and feelings the two share give them something to hope for. So this is Mad Max Yuri Road. 
Yeah, kind of. It's <laughs> I've actually read the manga. It's surprisingly good. All it's right. like super laid back post-apocalypse slice of life. Just uh, <laughs> which, which generally don't really go together. Yeah, just two girls having a grand old time in the w- nuclear wasteland. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Kino no Tabi, The Beautiful World, the animated series. The yes. story follows the travelers of Kino, a young adventurer who rides a talking motorcycle named Hermes. They explore the different people and cultures of different places throughout their adventures, spending only three days at, at each location. Wait, is this yeah, so is this different it's from... Kino's, it, it's Kino's Journey. It's a remake. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, Journey. I'm pretty sure I've heard of this before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope, they are completely rebooting Kino's Journey. Dang. Yep. Alright, yeah, I, I will absolutely check that out. Yeah, this is probably <clears> my... <throat> Uh, biggest hype show for this season. Mm. Actually, no, that's not true. Mm. There's one more that's bigger than it. All right. Uh, man, there's a lot more to get through. Holy crap! I didn't realize there were so many airing this season. Fifty-one. Uh, DS era that we can skip. Wow. Uh, let's see here. DS era. Oh, an alternate history of World War Two fantasy. Um. No. No. Wait. Not. No, Berlin. Oh, that's just the, that's just the prologue. As the Red Army raises the Soviet flag, a group of Nazi officers conduct a ritual using the slaughter using the slaughter in the city to bring back the LDO. Superman, who is coming, would bring the world's destruction. Their success remains unknown. Present day Suwahara City, Ren Fujil, Fuji spends his day at the hospital due to a violent fight with his best friend Shiro. He tries to value what he has left to him, but he is haunted by Shiro's words. Everyone who remains in this city eventually loses their mind, and a recurring dream of a guillotine and murderers and the black-clad knights pursuing... What the hell? <laughs> so so that's actually a visual, visual novel you can get on Steam, by the way. And there's huh. a demo out for it. I haven't played it yet, but I have it downloaded. <laughs> Truly, Steam is the anime future. Steam has uh, a surprising amount of visuals on, novels on it now. Yeah, especially now that they relax their uh, uh, sexual content regulations. Yeah. <laughs> well. <sighs> Some of us like to go. I to didn't it. say it's, that they were all it, great. It's true. Uh, I guess I'll watch the first episode. That sounds very strange. Strange enough to take take a look at. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a shot. Uh, second season of Hozuki no Reitetsu. Uh, the humor which of I love, which I liked a lot, and I will keep watching that. Yeah, one. the humor of it never really clicked with me, but it seemed to be pretty solid. So I'm glad it's getting a second season, even if I don't necessarily care for it. Uh, oh god, this one looks dumb. A sequel of Yuki Yuna. All right, moving on. I liked Yuki Yuna. <sighs> All right, Ben, you uh, like practically everything. No, I did see a pre- true. I, I think I did see a pretty cool gif of this show with like where they like they transformed and then descended from orbit or something. Maybe that was from that show. I don't know. It was magical girls like going like descending into the atmosphere from like orbit. I don't know. Sounds like anyway here. Maybe next. Uh, second season of Dime Time Bokan. Uh, no one cares. Uh, second season of Classical Lloyd. I sort of care. The first season was uneven, but it had its moments. All right. Uh, Code realized. So say no, Hime Gimi. 
uh, restricted another video game adaptation, restricted to an abandoned mansion in the outskirts of London in fulfillment of a promise to her father. Uh, is this an Otome game? Yes, yes it is. All right, moving on. <laughs> what was your first clue? No, it's actually kind of interesting. Wait, really? Are you being are you being literal or <laughs> facetious, Aaron? I can't tell. It it's kind of interesting. Basically, she has poison in her body apparently that rots or melts things she touches, and then uh, Lupin comes in and she goes on a journey with him. Okay, yeah. Apparently, Arsene Lupin is the love interest. All right. Yeah. It's like, huh, huh. That's that's interesting. I mean, it's it'll probably be fine, but again, with so many other shows, like if you're just mediocre, like that's not gonna cut it. Uh, Hoseki no Kuni. In the distant future, a new life form called Hoseki gems are born. Oh, so Steven Universe. <laughs> Sorry. This uh, is the twenty. A weird one. The 28 Hoseki must fight against the moon dwellers who want to attack them and turn and turn them into decor- decorations. Thus, each gem is assigned a role such as the fighter or a medic. Though he hopes to fight the moon dwellers, Fos is a gem who is given no assignment until the gem's master, Adamantine, asks him to edit a natural history magazine. What in the world? <laughs> okay, I have to find out what this is about. So, so I've read the, uh, the manga for that. And uh, this is one of the things that super surprises me that it's getting an anime, because it's 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 weird. Maybe we huh. run out of normal things to animate, so we're gonna go a little weird. I it sounds fascinating, honestly. Um, unlike the second season of Love Live Sunshine, which I know there are plenty of people who like Love Line, Love Live, or, but or it, Idol Masters. No. Also, a second, another, also a thing about Idolmaster that's based on the Side M mobile app. Continuing on. Skip. Skip. Uh, second season of Himoto Umaru-chan R. Skip. Skipping. Two Car, original anime by Silverlink, commemorating their 10th anniversary. Take a shot. It focuses on two girls involved with competitive motorcycle sidecar racing. Maybe. So, do they just race the sidecars? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> just to see how it happens. Yeah. No, it's, well... <clears throat> it's No, they race, they race motorcycles with sidecars. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just yet another anime that's like, the, the person who wrote it had a very specific interest, and then in order to get it funded, put girls in it, so... Uh, I don't know, maybe it'll be good. At this point, I don't feel like giving it the benefit of the doubt. Well, because <laughs> you had so I many mean, of these that have been duds. Yeah, well, it's. If you keep looking through the season, the word dud is becoming kind of evident. I mean, I guess that's fairly true. Uh, Blend S. The story centers on a girl named Micah who gets a job at a cafe where all the waitresses are given certain attributes, such as Sundere, or little sister, to embody while serving customers. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this sounds like your show, Dustin. Uh, the manager asks Micah to be the do- the do-s, extreme sadist waitress, so she will have to adopt a dominant and aggressive persona. I feel like that one's high in the ranking for you and Luke to watch. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, that's, a, that's a good idea. All right, uh, now from one from Wit Studio, uh, Maho Tsukai no Yome. 
based on a manga, Chisei Hattori has lived the life lived a life full of neglect and abuse, devoid of anything resembling love. Far from the warmth of family, she has had her share of troubles and pitfalls. Just when all hope seems lost, a fateful encounter awaits her. When a man with the head of a beast wielding strange powers obtains her through a slave auction, oh boy, Chisei's life will never be the same again. Okay, so first this of all, that's a horrible Magus description of what it is. It's yeah, the yeah, the bride. ancient Magus's bride. And right. it's oh, I've heard about show. that. Yeah, I'm waiting for this season, and that's a horrible, horrible description of what the. That is a very because I've watched both previews, and it's like no. There's three yeah. actually out now. Three. Well, I've seen yeah. two of the three then. Yeah, the uh, I am hyped for the show. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely my number one show. Because the manga is the manga is amazing. And mm-hmm. airing All right. right after and airing right after it is. It would be nice to have something from Wit Studio that I actually like a lot. <laughs> I, I'm really, really, really hopeful that they do a good job on this adaptation. Uh, another one that I'm most hyped for. Uh, we've so, got a second ho- season on. of Kekai Sensen. Hold on. So this is the description of the manga. Okay. With her mother dead and her father long gone, Chisei has spent her childhood having uh, being passed unwanted from relative to relative until she finally makes her unfortunate way to a strange and improbable auction block. Uh, offered, well, I'm not even going to go with that uh, thing. Anyway, to the highest bidder, Chisei is purchased by a literally boneheaded Elias Ainworth who promises to take her on as his apprentice. Elias is a mage and the world of the one of dragons and fairies. But before she Chisei can get accustomed to all that nonsense, Elias drops another bombshell. Apparently Chisei isn't intended to be his apprentice, she will also be his bride. Okay. Which also isn't a great description, but yeah. it's better. <laughs> but yeah, so uh I yeah, I'm glad to see something from Witch Studio that's apparently like very good. Um it'll be nice it, it would be nice if I could have uh, something from Wit Studio that I could wholeheartedly enjoy. Uh, it'd be nice to interface. Uh, but yeah, Kenkai, another, another season of Kekai Sensen, which, awesome. The downside, it's not being done by uh, the previous director, unfortunately. Uh, so that sucks. Oh, hey, um, Dustin, you know what Studio Wit also did? What? Star Fox Zero, the battle begins. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> Moving right Wait, along. Okay. To be fair, they've also done uh, Attack on Titan and Covenary, which had really good animation. So Yeah. Yeah, it's just lousy. They've got lines. that part down. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I really wish Rie Matsumoto was um, directing the sequel um, because I felt. I feel like she brought. She was a big reason why the first season was as good as it was. Um, so it's a little disappointing she's not sticking on for the second one, but hopefully she's doing other interesting stuff in the meantime. I can only hope. Um, but yeah, I'm still excited, though. Uh, next up, oh, okay, Cardfight Vanguard G. Skipping it. Um, anime Gataris. What is the hell is this? This looks like garbage. All right, moving on. <laughs> Speaking about garbage, uh, Emoto Sai Ereba E. You know you're no, you know you're in a in for a good one when it starts with Emoto. Yeah. Um, the story follows the everyday life of Itsuki, a novelist and modern day Pygmalion. 
All right. Who works day in and day out to create the ultimate younger, younger sister. Oh, <laughs> keep you reading. Know, keep reading. He's surrounded, he's surrounded by various other characters. A beautiful genius writer who loves him. His big sisterly classmate from college. A fellow male writer. A sadistic tax accountant. And his editor. They're all looked after by Utsuki's perfect younger stepbrother, Chihiro, who has a serious secret. <laughs> Doesn't that sound fun? Uh, it sounds like a good one for Luke and I to watch, I guess. Hey, you, you guys have a bunch of picks this season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, here's another one from JC staff, who are fairly busy this season. Uh, Kujira no Kora Wasajo no Ni Utao. Chakuro is the 14-year-old archivist of the Mud Whale, a nigh-utopian island that floats across the surface of an endless sea of sand. Nine in ten of the inhabitants of the Mud Whale have been blessed and cursed with the ability to use Saimia, a special power special powers that doom them to an early death. Chakuro and his friends have stumbled across other islands, but they have never met, seen, or even heard of a human who wasn't from their own. One day, Chakuro visits an island as large as the Mud Whale and meets a girl who will change his destiny. Uh, I've read part part of the manga for this, and it was pretty interesting. All right, give it a shot. Mm. Sounds interesting <clears throat> enough. Um, moving on to Netju no Susume, Moriko Morioka is a thirty-year-old single neat woman. After drawing after dropping out from reality, she has taken off in search of a fulfilling life and ended up in a in a net game or netoge. Thank you summary. <laughs> In the Netoge world, she began her new life as a refreshing and handsome character named Hayashi. While starting out as a beginner, a pretty character named Lily reached out to help her. Meanwhile, in the real world, uh, awaits a shocking encounter with a good-looking elite company employee, a mysterious blue-eyed blonde. Okay. This sounds... <clears throat> like... Ba- uh... This sounds like Isekai, but for female wish fulfillment instead. Which I guess is somewhat of a change of pace, but still. Well, it, it's more like sort of online. Yeah. Female. Yeah. They're still um, in the real world. True. It's probably going to be bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wake Up Girls, Shin Show. The new anime will feature the previous Wake Up Girls group members, but it will also add new characters. Thanks, Summary. <laughs> <laughs> Why not just say it's a sequel? Moving on. <laughs> uh, I saw the first season. It was okay. Boku Damn. no Kanojo ga Majime Sugiru Shoujo Bitch Naken. Excuse me? Yes, the word is yet what it's spelled. It's With nothing left to lose, ordinary high school student Haruka Shinozaki confesses to beautiful, diligent class representative Akiho... Kosaka and to his and to his surprise she accepts. Kosaka takes dating as seriously as she does everything but does not quite get it. She pragmatically suggests activities that are too sexual. Moving on. <laughs> so that's like what? The fourth or fifth one that you and Luke need to watch? Yeah, that's I guess so. Oh great, the poster is of a bunch of girls surrounding a banana. Uh-huh. Beep beep. Fantastic. Next. Uh <laughs> From MAPPA, we have Inuyashiki. Uh, Ichiro Inuyashiki is down on his luck. With only 50, well, while only 58 years old, his geriatric looks, uh, looks often have him written off as a pathetic old man by the world around him. Mm-hmm. He's constantly ignored and disrespected by his family, despite all that he's done to support them. 
On top of everything else, his doctor has revealed that he has cancer, and it appears that he has little time left in this world. But just when it seems to get, just when it seems things couldn't get worse, a blinding light in the night sky strikes the earth where Ichiro stands. He later wakes up to find himself unscathed, but he soon knows, starts to notice that there's something different about himself. Is this going to be like Black Lagoon, but but for an elderly man? Because that sounds amazing. It, no, it's, it's a, sorry, not it's Black a Lagoon. Story. I mean, um, God, what was it? The Black Heaven. Not quite. This is a weird one, and another one that I'm really surprised got animated. We're running out of material, so we're grabbing anything that looks good. If well, it's, no, I mean, no, if it's, it's breathing, good. let's it looks animate interesting. It. Like it does look yeah. interesting, honestly. Yeah, it's pretty good. I've read, I've read part of the manga, and it's interesting. It is. I mean, I've I like the what I've read of the manga. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> keep see, going. Uh, you're getting to the good stuff finally. Yeah. RoboMasters, the animated series, anime based on the DJI-hosted RoboMasters competition, which is the world's biggest student robotics competition. Uh, I think not. All right. Uh, Second season of Three Gatsu No Lion. I am hype. Yes. Hype. Yeah, come on, this this has got to finish. It, It left too many strings hanging. Yeah, it's it's not really typically my style, but I know of a lot of people who really really enjoy it. So yeah, yeah I'm you glad do. It's getting You're talking season. to two of them. Yep. Uh, next up, Itsudate Bokuro no Koi wa Ten Centimeters Data. Data, sorry. Uh, adolescent romance takes another twist with the announcement of a TV anime adaptation based on uh, Confess Your Love Committee, a series of Vocaloid songs by Honey. Really? Yep. <laughs> Don't worry about it. There's, okay, no, never no, mind. There's six episodes. Don't worry about it. I think not. Dia Horizon, a multimedia project by Square Enix titled Dia Horizon. The first part of the project will be a TV anime. Okay, what? All right, Square Enix. Let's let's take me for a ride, bro. <clears throat> well, if you notice, it doesn't even have an airing date. It just has a month and a year. Which yeah, means, it just has October 2017, so that means, who knows? That, that means it could show up anywhere between now and last year, and the only leftovers we have are uh, uh, Fate uh, and... Altair uh, and Fate Apocrypha. Yep, let's see. What's, mm-hmm. If you notice, I haven't jumped up and down hardly about anything, like three shows. Yeah, uh, I mean, there are some that are like possibly interesting that were taking a look we're keeping an eye on but yeah the the only ones i'm definitely excited for are uh garo uh kekai sensen and uh, uh inuyashiki just to see what that is about even yeah um yeah my big some... picks are kino no tabi and uh ancient magus's bride yeah also also kino's journey and ancient magus's bride are yes uh, should should be fairly promising yeah. um so yeah, that's that sounds like we've already got sort of a five already, and then we'll probably fill that up with uh, any of the on the border any of the borderline anime that happened to impress. Also, you and Luke have like five shows to choose from. Oh, easily, yeah. Let's see. So as far as movies go, you got a Fate movie, a Godzilla movie. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for the Godzilla movie uh, being made by the same uh, <coughs> studio that does uh, Nice of Sidonia. A Gundam Thunderbolt movie. Uh, it's a compilation film of the stuff we already watched, so... And a Girls in Panza movie. Oh, yeah, I guess we're gonna need to watch that, huh? Well, it, yeah. yeah. 
And then, and then, the only special is, hey, guess what? Yamato is back. Now it's twenty two oh two. Oh yeah, all right, yeah. Uchi Senken Yamato twenty two oh two continues the story of twenty one ninety nine. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> this is the third part of seven movies. Yeah. That's a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> Though well, I mean, if Yamato continues being very good, then yeah, just keep making well, movies, I guess. Well, and that's the thing. I think this is what good anime franchises are going to end up being as movies, is, instead mm-hmm. of you know splitting it up in twelve pieces. They're going to hand us a whole season on the screen at once. But yeah, so that's oh, also Aaron. Speaking of games that are on Steam, apparently there is an OVA for Nekopara. Yeah. Yeah, also Hajimete no Gal gets an OVA, so you can watch uh, that with Luke too. That's okay. <laughs> I'm good. It's it's one it's one of those D V D bundles or it's a it's a it's a manga bundle, so it's just like one of those here's a special like bonus episode or some garbage like that. And the uh the only thing we've got in, in listeners is a Dayworth comment. Uh yeah, we yeah, we do have a comment from Dave Drave J Riff. Let me bring that up. Sorry, well, I can't well, speak anymore. Alright, uh, so uh, a few comments. Uh one on Princess Principle. Uh Dustin, you were saying how you didn't see how Dorothy could get soppy over her father really loving her, uh, when he hadn't done much to earn forgiveness. I think that if you ask a lot of abuse victims, they could hold he was a horrible abusive asshole and he really loved me in their mind at the same time, and believe both to be true. Uh, Dorothy has escaped her father and no longer fears his abuse, so she f- she's free to remember that p- the part of him that loved her. Not because, because he has earned her forgiveness, but because it makes her feel good to remember... Uh, because it makes her feel good to remember the part of him, that part of him rather than dwelling on his abuse. Uh, which I know that's a thing. I'm aware. I'm, I'm even certain I talked about that dichotomy on Vodcast before. <laughs> um, it's just, my <laughs> issue with it, with it was that the I didn't feel that the show presented presented Dorothy as someone who would do that. Because um, again, not all abuse victims act exactly the same. Uh, so it didn't. It, it didn't. I felt at least that it didn't set up Dorothy's percep, pers, perspective on him as reflecting like how she felt near the end of the episode. So that was my main contention. Not that it's unrealistic. Just that it didn't fit Dorothy, I felt. Um, moving on. Uh, listening to you talk about Ogi and Owari Monogatari without having seen parts 2 and 3 was hilarious. I think Ogi's true nature is the single best twist the series has ever pulled, and I can't wait to hear you discuss it. Ogi told us the truth in every appearance in her catchphrase, I don't know anything. You know things, Araragi-senpai. Okay. Dang. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, I, I do agree that it was the best twist that this the series has had. Um, on Rage of Bahamut Virgin Soul, I'm up to I'm up through episode 22 as I write this. I saw on Twitter that Dustin was pretty mad about Nina sparing the king. I'll say this: I definitely think that decision had consequences. No kidding. <laughs> really? What made you think that? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's an understatement. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's all for listener questions, I believe. Let me check yep. audio under B to see if anyone has left anything there. Probably not, but you know, 
pays to be sure. Okay. All right. Don't believe I'm seeing anything. All right. Yeah, so that'll do it for this episode of BakaCast. Uh, so as always, feel free to uh, send in questions or comments either at www.audioentropy.com uh, or at www.projectcarhe.net. Um, I don't know what I was going to say after this. Uh, ben? Bang a drum. Dustin? Three, two, one. Kitterbush. Kitterbush. Mm, another anime season is waning. Yay. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Bye-bye. <laughs>